Hey, fintech friends. Hey fintech friends, my name is Helen Femi Williams and I'm your host of this new podcast, Hey Fintech Friends. This podcast is brought to you by This Week in Fintech, which is on the front page of Global Fintech News, fostering the largest fintech community through newsletters, thought leadership and events. Oh, and now podcasting. And what's quite cool about this community is the creativity, the intelligence and also an understanding that those who work in the field are just regular people who've decided to devote themselves to solving a particular problem. And with that comes a unique mix of finance, technology and fun, which is exactly what this podcast wants to explore. So expect this content to be informative, yes, but we're also keen to get to know our founders and ask them the questions that you didn't know you needed answering. So let's talk about the structure of this podcast. First, we're going to go through the news. And if you're a subscriber to the This Week in Fintech newsletter, you're in luck because this is the audio version. Then we're going to have a friendly chat with this week's friend Weezer, the VP of Global Developer Relations at Chipper Cash. And lastly, I'll tell you a bit about the latest Signal article. This week's Signal article is an interview with the CEO of Decimal, Matt Tate, written by Des Fleming. Oh, and one last thing before we start this interview, I should tell you that every episode we're going to be dropping a fintechionary. Fintechionaries, remember, are the dictionary definition of a fintechy word which we talk about on the podcast with our guest. And this week, it's cross-border payments. According to the Bank of England, cross-border payments are financial transactions where the payer and the recipient are based in separate countries. They cover both wholesale and retail payments, including remittances. Cross-border payments can be made in several ways, bank transfers, credit card payments, and alternative methods such as e-money, wallets and mobile payments are currently the most prevalent ways of transferring funds across borders. So I hope you enjoy our friendly chat with this week's friend. But first, this week in fintech. And now for our chat with this week's friend. Weezer is the VP of Global Developer Relations at Chipper Cash, a cross-border mobile money service with over 4 million users. He's an international business development expert, 
specializing in the setup and operation of high-performance technology startups across Africa, often sharing his moments from his journey on Twitter at WeezerJ. His experience spans 11 years and 16 African countries, founding and building tech startups across industry verticals in the B2B and B2C space. He is a venture partner at two early stage funds, Rallycap Ventures and Sherpa Africa Partners. He also scouts for two Africa-focused early stage venture funds, venture platforms and micro-traction. Hope you enjoy our friendly chat. Okay, well, yeah, thank you, Wizza. Is that how you, I say your name? You can kind of drag it out like Wizza. <laughs> Where's that from? Yeah. It's Malawi. Oh. It's uh, Tutumbuka. Nice. Oh, let me just put that on mute. You're, you're from Malawi? Yeah. Nice. What, what about your um, I'm Nigerian. Um, I was born and okay. raised in London. But yeah, I'm Nigerian by heritage and a little bit of Sierra Leone. <laughs> Okay, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. Um, but yeah, what's, so are you based full-time in Malawi? No, um, I'm, I'm typically between countries, usually between South Africa and uh, the UAE. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. I just came to Malawi for some, um, some work stuff, some family stuff. Um, yeah. Some visa stuff. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. And um, if 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 um, if you were, if other guests were uh, sorry, what is the best thing to do in Malawi? Like, what would you recommend to people? Um, go to the lake. We have we have a, a really nice freshwater lake. It's, it's got the most diverse numbers of uh, species of any freshwater body in the world. Um, and yeah, you can just like chill by the lake, very, very calm, very serene. It's, it's like, it's like a, it's generally not a busy country. So, um, you can, it's, it's a great relaxation destination and the lake has plenty to offer for people. Nice. Okay. The lake, um, sounds very different from Nigeria. Nigeria is an incredibly busy country. (laughs) It's actually very stressful. Oh yeah. Especially Lagos. (laughs) Lagos is, Lagos is very stressful. You have to be like mentally prepared. You you have to be like today. I am going here. <laughs> yeah, I mean you have to pick your island days or your mainland days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and follow them very religiously. Yeah, it's 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 definitely yeah one way to live. So yeah, um, I, so I guess I guess we could start your with your, you know maybe your experience and um just telling me a bit about yourself and what got you into the world of fintech and, and what you actually do. Yeah, sure. So um, currently I'm a VP of Global Developer Relations at TripleCash. Um, we are a cross-border uh, mobile money uh, startup that's operating in a number of African countries as well as the US and the UK. Um, we enable uh, about 6 million users to uh, transact both domestically and internationally. Our flagship product is the cross-border uh, remittance tool um, that covers about eight countries uh, and quickly adding uh, a few more. Um, yeah, so I look after basically all of our merchant-facing business, um, looking for businesses, looking after businesses who want to integrate with us to do collections and disbursements from our multi-million user uh, base uh, across African countries. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm like a career techie. 
Um, got started out pretty young. Uh, started writing code when I was like 16. Um, while still in Malawi, um, built a few local startups. Uh, it wasn't really a big market, but it was a great like learning environment. And then I moved to Kenya to study, um, where I also co-founded a market research startup um, in my final year with a classmate. I raised a little bit of venture, and that was a very interesting journey. Got to you know sort of like learn the ropes with regards to how the, the industry works. Um, and then did some time, spent some time doing that before. Uh, it didn't really work out. And when it didn't work out, I decided to join um, another business that was uh, starting to scale out uh, into uh, from Kenya into the rest of uh, the African markets called Africa's Talking. Um, and then, yeah, I, I spent like three years there running group business development and international expansion. Um, and then... Yeah, got curious. Uh, I was always like a mobile first engineer. So kind of like got curious uh, about the intersection of mobile and finance. Um, having seen like mobile money um, adoption explode in Kenya during my studying years, it was very fascinating to watch. And I was like, oh, I, I would love to understand how um, the sausage is made. Um, and sort of like, you know, picking up a few of the skills that are necessary to, to, to get a, a clearer picture of that. And then after Africa's talking, I worked at a business called Hover Developer Services, and we were basically building infrastructure for uh, smartphone users to embed a USSD infrastructure in the back end of their apps. So uh, USSD is the, the primary way through which mobile financial services are accessed on the continent. Um, it's an offline-first sort of um um, uh, interface for, for mobile phones to be able to access services, uh, even though they're offline. Um, and yeah, did, uh, did a bit of that, um, for about a year and a half. Uh, and then, you know, had a, had a pretty close working relationship with the Chipper founders and then got started with Chipper Cash at the start of 2021. Wow, like you have so much different experience and you started coding at 16 as well or start to get into this. That's quite, it's quite impressive, like how many different things you've done and all the different spaces you've been. Um, so if we would go, if we were to go back to like Chipper Cash and like what you currently do now, um, I guess a question that I'd have is like for your non-fintech friends, how would you explain what you do? So like, for instance, if your mum was, was asking you, what do you do? How do you explain it to them? Yeah, it's just like um, basically help people move money around the world uh, in the cheapest and most efficient ways. Yeah, and um, obviously you you primarily prim, primarily <laughs> obviously you primarily <laughs> focus in on Africa and 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 moving money around in Africa. What what challenges have you faced, and why do you think it's so important within the region? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just like cost. Um, if you look, there's like a global uh, sustainable development goal to lower the cost of remittances to about 3% of the remittance uh, transaction value. But when you look at like um, many intra-Africa corridors, that is like moving money within the African continent, it typically costs as high as like 20% sometimes to move, you know, an amount like $200 between two African countries. Um, and, you know, there's, there's quite a lot of friction there. Uh, a lot of it is because, like, the infrastructure in the global financial system was really designed for uh, African currency pair exchange. A lot of, like, the um, forex exchange is still basically, like, intermediated by the U.S. dollar. So when you are trying to transfer money from 
um, South Africa to Rwanda, for example, you first have to convert it to US dollars uh, instead of just like transacting between the two pairs. So there's a lot of friction. There's a legacy system that doesn't really work very well for, for like its target audience. And um, at the same time, there's also like increased globalization. Um, African countries now trade with each other a lot more than they did 30 or 40 years ago. Um, and there's demand for like that local uh, exchange, but the infrastructure doesn't support it. So that's like the main pain point. Um, and, and it's a pretty big one. Um, we estimate anywhere between 50 and $100 billion of value every year that's transacted intra-Africa. And a lot of it is forced to go through informal channels because like the infrastructure for you to do it properly, quote unquote, doesn't exist. No, I think I think that's a really good point. And even growing up, I can remember like my dad or my mum trying to send money back to Nigeria and it just being, well, we, we used to have to get those little calling credit cards. I don't know, my mum would t- um, make me go to the shop and buy these little scratch card things. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's such a massive transaction fee, whether you do it through Western Union or you do it through any way. That, or I think they used to have to call, they were doing some sort of call thing. Because I remember spending a lot of time yeah. <laughs> doing the dial scratch card code thing for them um and yeah like you said it's just such a long jarring process and at the end of the day um emerging markets are the people who are sending money more back to like poorer countries and the emerging world um yeah actually like there's like a a lot of like african countries are actually like net senders of remittances uh which is like kind of counterintuitive because you think that like uh, maybe the rich are always sending to the poor. If I'm if I'm to like speak very generally and very broadly, but like a lot of African countries actually import more than they export. So as a result, they have to send money out more. Um, and I actually think that like the demand for sending money out is way way higher than it is for uh, getting money in. And I think that's like the more uh, exciting but also a lot more challenging opportunity because um, many African countries also have exchange controls. So it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's a pretty fun time. Yeah, no, <laughs> and even when you think about like things as simple as um, education, more and more people send their kids abroad, whether it starts at like, you know, secondary school age or, you know, t- sending your kids to boarding school abroad or sending your kids for university abroad. So you have, you have so many people um, abroad who just need to send money for like very different reasons. So like you said, it's people from the continent sending money to European countries and vice versa. So you're right. Like the actual conversation and the way it's changed, the way it's changed or the way money has changed and where it's going between like Africa and Europe or Africa and America has changed so much and there's just no infrastructure for it. So I, I get that. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, I was wondering as well, like what kind of, I, I know I previously said, like, do you have like a fintech fact or stat that you've recently found out or or, or want to share sort of like thought leadership? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I think uh, uh, one that really blows my mind is a stat from last year's uh, Chainalysis Geography of Cryptocurrency Report. Um, And basically, according to their research, they found that over $100 billion was transacted uh, on-chain across uh, African addresses that are like, you know, blockchain addresses belonging to either African individuals or African entities. And like um, the 
majority of that traffic was like large ticket transfers in excess of a million dollars that made up uh, about like 50 to 60 percent. So I think that's pretty interesting. I think like there's like a massive crypto economy that is uh, starting to pick up on the continent. Um, and it's being primarily driven by businesses uh, out of some of the largest markets like South Africa and Nigeria, where uh, capital controls and, and foreign exchange controls are a little bit stringent. So I think that that's that whenever I think about it, um, it gets me very excited and also very curious as to how things play out and how the regulation evolves to um, uh, uh, bring into its purview uh, all of this value that is being transacted. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I think because like a lot of African countries have such a different infrastructure or the way they're governed is not like other countries it, it I think it means that people have to be more innovative when it comes to like finance or even when it just comes to their day-to-day lives so when you say that fact in some ways it's not that surprising to me just because I think there is this level of innovative innovation that has to come from being in places with which have which don't have like traditional or which don't have infrastructures like other countries. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, the, the fragmentation is a big issue. Um, and yeah, like uh, everyone is forced to sort of like adopt to their environment in, in very creative ways. Like in Nigeria, it's like the electricity issue. Everyone gets a generator um, to avoid like Naira devaluation. <laughs> People save in dollars. So I think like that drives a lot of the adoption of newer technologies because they solve um, a genuine problem in that doesn't exist for people in other parts of the world uh, as concretely. Yeah, no, I agree. Like some, I think it's a good thing and a bad thing because in a lot of ways, like the state and the government and all these on all these entities, it's their it's it should be them driving this infrastructure, but then equally creating a society where it does come from the ground up means that people start to think about new ways and different ways in which, you know, money's never been done, which I guess is the whole sort of like bankless movement. So I think in the context of Africa, Nigeria, South Africa, all these places, it could be really interesting because even the adoption of kind of like mobile pay and these types of things, like, like Africa was kind of the first continent doing that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and, you know, like when, when there's gaps in the infrastructure, it also like leaves a lot of room for you to like leapfrog a lot of the legacy stuff and just go to what's new and what works. I think Africa has benefited greatly in that regard. Yeah, that's a good point with the legacy stuff. Cause I think, yeah, when, when systems are so old, then you're like, there's always different people involved and, 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 you know, sometimes you, you want to do things, but nothing ever gets done. So I was wondering, what is your yeah. biggest sort of dream or vision for FinTech? Um, yeah, I think the, the, it would be great to see all of the digital value stores made natively interoperable at some point in some way. And what I mean by that is like, you know, if you're, you know, you're in the UK and you may or may not have like a Monzo account, you should be able to send your Monzo directly to my chipper wallet, like in in, in, in Nigeria, as an example. Uh, I think like what's happening is that a lot of the digital finance solutions are being built um, 
effectively in silos and that leads to like a fragmentation problem at scale so like you know you need to have like different wallets when you travel to different places um and all of those wallets typically uh, operate in like a sort of like a closed loop so you can't easily transfer money in and out uh, of those wallets or those value stores um to other value stores and i think this like ultimately hurts the industry um so i feel like um what is needed globally is is like standards for native interoperability between these wallets because you know cash is pretty like interoperable um a us dollar is a us dollar everywhere yes there are like currencies and currency exchange that has to be facilitated um but like it's a lot easier to move cash around than to move digital value around between wallets that aren't the same and if the goal is to get to the ubiquity or exceed the ubiquity of cash um, at some point, then we have to at least match it in terms of that ease of use parity. And, and I think that's like a global uh, problem that the industry has to get together to solve. And, and I think that the way that gets solved is through interoperability. And, you know, for like telco, mobile money, like M-Pesa, MTN, Momo, Airtel Money, they're already doing it. There's a Gates Foundation initiative called Moja Loop that aims to establish interoperability standards for telco mobile money. I think that's a great start. But like for fintechs, I don't think such a thing exists yet. And um, it's not existing can only uh, lead to to uh, our detriment. Uh, we need that as soon as we reasonably can get it up. I, mean, I think you make a really good point. Um, even just on a simple level, I think... If, fin- if fintech or like the world of banking is trying to be, you know, it's trying to bring everyone along and not just people who are like working in the industry and really, really understand this stuff, then it does get quite confusing. So, for instance, the average person or, or, or maybe not the average person, you might have savings somewhere, you might have a ISA, which is like a savings account in the UK, you might have your standard banking account, you might have the account that you use to transfer money, you might have um, some crypto you, do you know what I mean it just gets very confusing and there's there's no sort of place where you just put everything in one and then like you said yeah. when you're then trying to because this is this is honestly a conversation my sister was having with me two days ago because she was sort of getting confused about well, all her accounts and how she kind of keeps up to track keeps up to track with like everything she's doing because no I don't think no person has one account where they keep all their money which they probably shouldn't but it does mean like you said it just gets quite jarring when it comes to how we look after money and how we send money to each other because like you said I might have a Monzo you might have a Revolut it's all great but unless we all have the same it it, it you could literally all be in one household and have like five different like banks that you're using and it's not easy to send to to kind of correlate um so I think actually you, you've hit like a really good point even for like the average person that's such an issue these days yeah for sure um and yeah so I'm gonna ask you some questions from our previous guests so we've had two guests on um so yep. Rohit our first guest he asked what was your oh shit moment in your career <laughs> What does that mean? Is it like is it like, it's like an awakening sort of like moment? Like a <laughs> like a messed up sort of yeah, moment? like they have had plenty yeah, of those. Yeah, so I, I guess I guess it means a moment in which you d- yeah it didn't go well. You didn't do <laughs> you didn't do what you were meant <laughs> to do, or you did it wrong. 
um, and then you were like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. So there was this one time um, when I was at Africa talking and, you know, we, we were doing, um, it, it was like a, a major pricing change with one of our telco partners, uh, which basically meant that for like um, people sending messages to, I think it was Uganda, Airtel Uganda, uh, through our platform, the cost of those messages was going to increase by like a factor of 10 or 15. Um, and I thought like this was huge. Um, it was like pretty big. A pretty big deal and like we should inform um all of the affected people and like um we had like about five thousand plus businesses using us at the time um and like i had just like transitioned into um the group business development role and i was looking after all of these people in all these different markets so i i think it was like a <laughs> out of ignorance and maybe just like inexperience as well um, I didn't query to find out like exactly how many people were using that particular service that was about to like effectively 10x in price, right? Um, if I did, I would have learned that it was like just like a handful of customers who were affected and I probably could have emailed all of them uh, personally. But because it was such a major increase, I thought like, hey guys, let's just like send this communication to all of our users. Uh, and like the wording wasn't very clear. So what happened was that we sent out this email um, and because the wording wasn't very clear, a lot of people who weren't affected thought that their costs were going to go up 10 times. So, you know, this is just me, like, you know, literally a few weeks into this new role, business development, the founders of the company are out in Paris for Viva Tech. And then all of a sudden, like the CEO starts calling me and saying like, hey, why are people calling me saying that <laughs> their prices are about to go up 10 times? And we realized after the fact that like this communication had not been worded correctly and has gone out to all of our customers instead of like 30 or 40 who are truly affected. And it took like weeks to contact uh, key accounts. We sorted out the first day, but like there were like those weeks of cleaning up and uh, re-communicating to ensure that like, hey, if you don't use the Airtel Uganda service, then this price increase doesn't affect you. But yeah, lesson learned that was like, uh, it was it was embarrassing at the time, but like in retrospect, it's just like you know stuff happens uh, in the course of uh, the industry, and now I've learned from it. You only interact with the customer that's <laughs> you only like give the information that's needed to the to the customer that's affected by it uh, at any one time, uh, and then anyone who's not affected, <laughs> don't bother them; they're fine. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that sounds like such a big problem as well. It took weeks to sort out as well. <laughs> yeah, it was it wasn't it was not fun. Uh, it was just like it was just confusing for the the consumer because they were like, okay, why 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 is my price going up ten times? And it's like, oh, do you use Airtel Uganda? No, okay, thank you. Yeah, fine. <laughs> and ten times is but a lot that as wasn't... well. Like I would be, I would, I don't know, if I got that email, I would be like, what is going on? Yeah, right. It was uh, it was quite something. Cool. <laughs> and um, a question <laughs> from our guest. Uh, last week was um, what keeps you up at night professionally and also personally? Uh, yeah, professionally, I would say like uh, just like how you manage risk in, in financial services. So like, for example, yesterday we had a spike in daily volume um, for one of the merchants that I look after. It was like three times their like regular daily volume. And, you know, I panicked. I'm like, oh gosh, <laughs> anytime you see like a 3X increase and you can't explain why, 
it's usually like a sign that someone is doing something that they shouldn't be doing. And, you know, I freaked out, uh, called the merchant. I was like, hey, just giving you a heads up that we're seeing uh, irregular activity. I got my team on it to investigate at 9 p.m. And we found out that, like, the merchant had just done, like, a promotion and the promotion was working, right? So, like, nothing, nothing was amiss and everything was working as fine. But, like, I guess when you've been in the industry long enough, you just, you have a certain level of paranoia. And so anytime you see like a graph go up onto the right in, in the way that startups typically romanticize in financial services, it was, it isn't always a good thing. <laughs> so that really keeps me up at night. Like just like, Oh gosh, um, are the numbers that we're seeing what we're expecting? And if there's any discrepancy, if I don't know what's causing it, that can be very uh, anxiety inducing um, professionally. And then personally, not much. Hey, like, um, I, I, I try to maintain a very optimistic uh, approach to life and most things. So I focus on what's going well and what I can control. And yeah, I don't, I don't think there's much that keeps me up at night personally. I sleep like a baby. Eight to nine hours a night. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> maybe it's because you're by the lake in Malawi. So, you know, I think maybe if you lived in Lagos, you might be up at night. Just stressed out. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> stressed out about how to get to work. <laughs> Yeah, like my, my generator might not have diesel. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> Things like that. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, Nigeria is a whole monster in itself. But yeah, the generator thing. Um, yeah, but thanks. Yeah, it can Sorry, get crazy. what did you say? I'm saying, yeah, it can get crazy in Lagos. It's just it's something yeah. else. I, I've got like a love-hate relationship with it because there are so many things that I think are amazing about Nigeria. <laughs> but also the lack of inefficiency and just like randomness of everything it's just yeah it's yeah just stressful. The, my, the, the, the word that i i find describes it most accurately is any howliness any howliness yeah any howliness things get done any oh howliness. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Any like howl. any howliness <laughs> yeah yeah any howl it's like, it's like okay yeah that's a good <laughs> description yeah for sure yeah. yeah like when you say that i feel like i have like 20 examples in my head of just like random things and you just have to be like okay it's just the day now although saying that yeah. i was in i was in italy a couple of days ago and we were met, we had a we had a um ticket to get a boat back to the mainland mm-hmm. and um they were just like yeah the yeah. boat's not working <laughs> and that was it that, no they left the boat seemed to be working yeah. just for the workers and they just left everyone on the island <laughs> oh wow did you get a refund no, at least? no no refund okay. not many people spoke english so i was like trying to use my gcse italian like the italian from school to work out what to do yeah um and it, this was like what <laughs> 10 p.m at night we're just sitting there i just said to my friend let's i just said yeah. to her, let's go get a drink because like, <laughs> like what else are we doing um so and yeah. maybe it's just like my experience of like that sort of like Nigerian mentality, even though that is Italy. But I was like, mm. there's there's nothing. It's not like the boat. We can't see a boat. Nothing's happening. Might as well just, just, yeah. just go yeah, on with your life. Give up. And even when we asked people, they just shrug <laughs> in their shoulders. And then we ended up getting we ended up getting another one, but it was like in the middle of the night, and it it didn't even take us to where we had a ticket for. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i feel like if you start to stress about stuff like that then you'd be because you'd, you'd be stressed and doing it whereas if you just decide like this is my life now <laughs> it's more <Yeah>. peaceful <laughs> yeah for sure yeah. 
but that that that's a really good transition my little anecdote um because i want to ask you some yeah. non-serious questions on this podcast um because cool. I, I feel like we we've talked about chipper cash we've talked about you we know what you're about um and yeah um so i wanted to do a quick fire round quickly so i'm going to ask you a question and just tell me what comes to the top of your mind we've got 10 questions and then after that if we have time we'll okay. do a couple more like uh ask you maybe a bit long one so you ready yeah okay. sure sunrise or sunset a sunset for sure <laughs> <laughs> view is much nicer <laughs> describe yourself in five words uh curious um uh, patient uh cautious uh optimistic uh humorous cool what was your nickname growing up uh people used to call me Wiz or Wiz Kid or some variation like you know just like Wiz and add your favorite appendix (laughs) (laughs) it was really yeah quite frustrating actually for me because my 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 government name is Wiza and like people think it's a nickname so they feel very um, free to remix it in very colorful ways, much to my displeasure. <laughs> what does it mean? Does it... <laughs> yeah, it means he has arrived in Chitumbuka. He has arrived. Which is one of the Malawian dialects, yeah. Yes. Wizkid is a funny one, though. Can you sing like Wizkid? <laughs> Not at all. Couldn't sing to save my life. So I'm <laughs> Fair enough. Um, if you were fruit, what fruit would you be? If I were a fruit, uh, I'd probably be an apple. I feel like apples are calm and collected fruits. You know, they don't try too hard. It's sort of just there. <laughs> but then they're like, you know, they're very consistent. Uh, apples taste like apples in most parts of the world that I've been to. So, yeah, I kind of like that. The grapes are all over the place. You can never really know what you're getting with a grape, depending on where it's from. So <laughs> I'd be an apple. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> grapes are all over the place i didn't know yeah. you make wine out of grapes yeah, I feel, uh, yeah i feel like yeah yeah I, I feel, I feel good interesting grape opinion <laughs> strong views on that one <laughs> yeah, quite. um what's the best excuse you've ever used for being late best excuse for uh ever used for being late um yeah, we had like a, like some, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. Not not necessarily like a, almost like a cool style situation in Malawi at some point, like in, I think it was 2013, where like um, the president of the country at the time had died and they, um, the powers that be tried to like take over the country and like not let the vice president cede power. Um, and during an incident known as like the Midnight Six, if you Google Midnight Six Malawi, you, you can learn a little bit more about it. But anyway, I had like a meeting the next day um, with like an international client that I was I was doing some work with, and like I couldn't you know make the call on time because like my my country had a coup last night, and I didn't know what that meant for you know <laughs> my existence and my future. So like yeah, so several like I'd actually missed the meeting, and then I emailed them later saying like, "Hey guys, sorry I missed the meeting, but you know we just survived a small coup attempt." So hope you can understand. Thankfully, they were very understanding. I mean, 
Yeah, I don't think anyone can ever top that answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fun times. Malawi is a Malawi is a very interesting. Sorry, country. guys, I was late. My country was having a coup. <laughs> well, if you look at the news in the UK, well, we're not having a coup, but we are, we are having a lot of mess. Like everyone's just resigned. Yes, last night. Yeah, I saw something about the Chancellor of the Exchequer resigning yesterday. And I don't know what that is, but the title sounds important. Um, kind of like the Treasury, like the, the person who looks after all the money. So, yeah. And the Health Secretary as that, well resigned yesterday as well. Oh, gosh. Boris is not having a great day. Yeah, today. it's not looking good. What would be the tagline to the sitcom of your life? <laughs> uh shit happens <laughs> yeah it's like weezer's life shit happens <laughs> and we move on nice what made up word yeah. would you love to add to the dictionary made up word um right so there's there's like a it's it's actually like it's actually a real word in i think yiddish called mamila pinata pie and it refers to uh, a look uh, shared between two people, uh, signaling a mutual sense of desire that can never be explored. It's like that Aww. look. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a very, like, uh, specific word, you know, like, word. It, 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 it describes a very specific thing. And I found that, like, just fascinating. But it is a real word in another language, so it would be great if we could add that to the English <laughs> dictionary, actually. <laughs> yeah, noted. Would you rather sleep in late or take a long day... Oh, sorry. Would you rather sleep in late or take a long nap midday? Um, honestly, I would rather do both. <laughs> I, I, I'm a very big fan of sleeping in late and taking midday naps, but if I have Choose between one. I'd rather sleep in late. Mm-hmm. I think I'd take a long nap, but that's just because I like, I like to wake up early. Um, expense. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm I'm not a morning person. At <laughs> like all. I'm very much a morning person. Like I'll... you sound like a morning person. You sound like you have your life together. Things are in oh, place. Oh gosh, <laughs> let's not go that far. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's 10 o'clock here maybe that's why maybe if we were doing this in the afternoon maybe not well I, depending on if i have my nap um yeah. expensive presents or homemade presents um homemade presents i'm not too big on material nice cool that's the um <laughs> that's all my like non-serious questions i guess i just have like um uh one more question what do you think is the you know you 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 you're very like you're very chill and patient and like I don't know you march to the beat of your own drum so that's why I feel like this might be a good like like end question to ask you what do you think is the key to living a good life? Well, I think like uh, acceptance uh, is is a very interesting like philosophy to follow, not in the sense of like oh, whatever happens to you, you don't fight back or you don't, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't like resist or try to design an outcome that you're looking for. Uh, But like when something is happening, uh, not fighting the actual reality, it's like, okay, this is happening. And like, how do I respond to it in a way that doesn't make things worse? Um, And that's like 
uh, a very useful, practical way uh, of dealing with things. And it certainly works very well for me. Uh, I'm pursuing a theme of equanimity this year, which my therapist describes as not letting the... You're never as bad as they say you are, but you're also never as good. <laughs> so, yeah, those, those themes are... Uh, I'm finding them very useful for this phase in my life. Right equanimity? Is that how you say it? Equanimity. Yeah, equanimity. equanimity. Yeah. Equanimity. equanimity like yeah you can it'll nice yeah. we maybe we'll put that as our like um every week we're doing like a little fintech dictionary but although that's not anything to do with fintech it seems like a good it seems like <laughs> a, oh that or um what was the the word and um, the the uh, yiddish word um mamila mamila pidata oh, pai am i oh sorry it's yegen Yeah. So there's like a pretty interesting Wikipedia article. Okay. Do you think you can send it to me after the podcast actually? Oh, absolutely. Perfect. And yeah, so um got just four more oh sorry, three more questions. Um and then (laughs) we're done. (laughs) What do you think is the most important (laughs) thing you'll do in your career? Um, what is the most important thing I'll do in my career? Uh, hopefully, it just impacts people at scale. Hey, like, um, yeah, just like do something that impacts people at scale uh, for the better, and you know that can take many forms. Uh, I'm I'm always like excited to work on things that have got like millions of users because it's pretty easy to then quantify the the impact that you're making and um, objectively see its value. Um, so yeah, uh, I don't know what form that takes. I think it's still very early days, but as long as it, it positively impacts its people at scale, I think uh, I'll be very happy with any. Yeah, outcome. positively impacts people at scale. It seems like the work at Chip Cash will do that, just making it way more efficient and easy for people to move money back and forth. Yeah, and yeah. So yeah, yeah. as this is the fintech friends podcast, we're keen to highlight other friends that maybe you know, people don't know about. So who's a friend of yours that you think we should highlight or look out for? Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys have spoken to Teboho um, from Mokwena, Teboho Mokwena. She runs um, a business called Akiba Digital and they do like risk uh, modeling for um, credit decisions and beside South Africa they, they do quite a bit of work with the large banks I think she's super smart one one of the, the most capable fintech founders I've had the pleasure of interacting with I think she'd make a great guest for the podcast as awesome. well thank you I'm gonna also ask you for a, to send a link in your email after cool and um my sure, last sure. question to you is what's a question you think we should ask the next friend of the show uh, ooh, I wasn't expecting that one. I don't know. What, what, what market or what country um, are they most excited about globally from a fintech perspective and why? Okay. What market? Oh, mm-hmm. I'm going to write it down quickly. Sorry. <laughs> Um, okay, cool. I've got that one down. Well, thank you so much, Riza. Mm-hmm. That is the end of the podcast. Um, 
thank you for coming on and your bandwidth was great like i don't think we've had any issues here um so we'll yeah we'll <laughs> i think it'll come out great um so yeah where can people find your like socials or like linked i guess you're on linkedin and you've got a website yeah best place is on, is on twitter uh, i'm at weza j uh i do like interact with everyone but i block the route so <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's that that sounds like a good plan signals is our subscriber only newsletter focusing on deep dives thought leadership and so much more our latest signal piece marks a this week in fintech debut for des fleming Woo. <laughs> an investor at first mark capital and the author of the newsletter all things venture des interviews the ceo of decimal matt tate on building accountability operations for small businesses, bootstrapping to profitability, growing a remote first team, and the role that serendipity plays in snagging decimals some high-coveted internet real estate. To read this article, please subscribe to the This Week in Fintech newsletter. (laughs) 